Hello and welcome back to an episode of the Bring Curiosity podcast. Today we're with uh, Dr. Maria Teresa Rutiliano, that is a neuropediatrist, right? Uh, neurodevelopment and behavioral pediatric. I, I guess it's really. Um, I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm an intern. I'm doing okay, so this specialty. Yeah. You're you're uh, specializing in uh, pediatrics and in in particular in neurology, right? In uh, developmental. Yeah, and also psychi- uh, psychiatry. It's um, it's right. It's really strange. It's like a sub subject sub subject of uh, pediatrics. It's very specific. It's the only okay. one uh, that study neurodiversity. That's amazing. So you you work yeah. specifically with neurodiverse children. Yeah, and um, also I am an, a neurologist, so I do um, psychiatry, neurology, and neurodiversity. That is really really cool. And your ADHD yourself? Yeah. Did you survive until here with your ADHD? <laughs> Uh, well, I am self-diagnosed, and I discovered I was uh, ADHD and autistic uh, through your TikToks, <laughs> honestly, and other uh, creators. But um, yeah, it was really hard, really, really hard. I was 25 years old, and it was uh, 2020 uh, when the pandemic struck, and I was on TikTok constantly and I found out about neurodiversity and it was like a rabbit hole. Of course, it became my special interest. And and then I thought, you know what, whatever, I will do that for the rest of my life. If I can help children or teenagers with ADHD or autism, I will do that. That's amazing. So So, so you, you faced a lot of struggles up until this point, I'm guessing. Yeah. I have PTSD too. <laughs> Yay! Amazing, like a lot of us. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I, yeah. I guess you know this. This opens to my first question, which is: uh, What are the risks for children with ADHD or for neurodiverse children that are not diagnosed or not treated appropriately? Um, the main risk, I think, is being misunderstood because you don't understand yourself. You know, something is wrong, but you don't know what what it is. And uh, your parents don't understand yourself and don't know how to help you, your teachers, your peers, and sometimes even your doctors. So you're feeling alone and misunderstood. And uh, all of my patients always told me, I'm, I guess I'm sad because they have alexithymia. It's so frequent, you, you cannot tell. So they think they, they are there and look at you and they go like oh I, I guess I'm feeling sad because I'm lonely <laughs> and I'm like oh my god I'm so sorry you're feeling that I, I would like to hug every one of my patients but I don't I, I can't of course and I also don't like to be hugged <laughs> I would but I won't <laughs> and yeah these two lead to emotional reg- dysregulation and substance abuse Some, yep. the majority of the time my patients likes they try drugs just to self-medicate they yep. they feel like this creepy anxiety or depression and they try drugs nine children out, i mean teenagers <laughs> for the majority of the time is teenagers 
um, they try drugs just because they want to feel less anxiety, basically. Yeah, but because they, the they, thing they want is, to feel less depressed. Yeah, depressed or less, um, don't feel the anxiety or just, I mean, sometimes, yeah, they do to try it because, you know, you're a teenager, everyone is doing it. So you do that, like, you don't want to feel outside an outsider. Yeah. But for the majority of time, they, they are trying to self-medicate. And the main risk is that they are drugs and you're not using them correctly. So they will lead to other problems, of course. Yeah. And another main risk is self-harm. I cannot tell you, every day I have like in the ER, teenager, uh, children, even children that have tried to self-harm themselves or to commit suicide. And that's heartbroken because you're like, you're just a child. Why are you doing that? I feel so bad that you're doing yeah. that. But then I, I think, well, when I had your age, I've tried, I tried to, I did self-harm myself. I did try to commit suicide a couple of times. So it's like i'm you you are me and i'm here for you i can help you so it's you know i'm just trying to help that's <laughs> that's yeah. the thing but yeah that's the so main when, risks when they get diagnosed the, they finally understand what's going on does that help them uh in any way just just the knowing not even the the therapy or the treating part but does just knowing what happens help them um so it's a very tricky part the uh, diagnosis when you have to tell them not for them in particular but for the parents i found out uh, you can be uh, sued for telling a parent your child is autistic your child uh, has adhd so you have to be very careful of your words and you have to be very very mindful of uh, how to explain the parents what that means uh, what are the needs of your of their child uh, that's the it's very tricky i mean i have the power to speak for their child and i but i have the 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 power also to make them accept the diagnosis because so, it's not so common most of the time they they don't want to hear about autism or ADHD, they come into the the, the, the room and they, they told me, oh, I heard about autism and they eyes uh, full of tears with high school of tears. And I'm like, oh yeah, it's okay. It's, it's just neurodevelopmental, uh, a, a different way of, of the neurosystem to work. It's, it's not something to be worried about. It's not a pathology, but they, they don't want their child to be autistic or ADHD. They are scared because they, they don't know about it. The only thing oh. they know is stereotypes or biased. They are biased in the idea of autism, especially yeah, autism. I, I think the, the scariest part in that is that when a parent refuses kind of the, the diagnosis, it's, it's not going to make the neurotype go away. It's just, yeah, you know, exactly. you're, you're hiding from what is happening anyway. I mean, the fact that the doctor tells you it's autism or doesn't, it will not change anything to your child. Exactly. <laughs> it's only worse if you don't accept yeah. the diagnosis. But you have to be careful. Um, my superiors, 
uh, have gone through very many suits, lawsuits about Madonna. this. This is, yeah. this is horrible. <laughs> why, why? Why can you be sued? This is crazy. Just for it's it's like it's, it's a medical diagnosis. It is, and they they just don't want it. I, it's hard to explain. I I don't know how. Um, it's uh, it was like very strange for me too to understand. But my um, my superior were like, you don't have to tell that. I do because it's very tricky. We can ha- we can be sued. So wow. just be be careful. <laughs> Sometimes uh, parents told me, uh, oh, I don't want my my kid to be autistic, and I'm in my mind because I cannot tell that. <laughs> I'm like, well, you tell me. <laughs> I'm autistic. I have ideas here. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> You're talking to a disabled person, but I'm a doctor. So if I can do it, I made it. Your kid too. Maybe, or maybe it will be something completely different. It will be okay yeah. too. I mean, yeah, they're it's, amazing. It's just, it's... My patients are all amazing human so beings. They... They they get better, right? I mean, once they understand themselves, the children, what is going on, do they feel less alone somehow, or less sad? Yeah, um, the thing that I I've seen it's that they understand themselves better, and they know how to advocate for themselves, and they recognize better uh, which one are real friends from fake friends, and I that's think amazing. that's the main difference. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah. basically, just by knowing that they have a different neurotype, they learn self-advocacy. That is super important yeah. later in life. Yeah, because they they uh, they told me um, I don't know like examples, um, especially when they are in classroom. They told exactly what they need to the teachers or to their peers. So it's advocating in some way it's advocating for themselves if they if they don't if they don't feel comfortable with something they can do and say that I, i'm i'm autistic i don't want to do this because of this 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 and this so it's really it's great and they you see that they grew uh self-esteem which they they don't have at the beginning yeah. because they feel yeah, because- awful yeah, because they think it's it's their fault somehow if they cannot do something yeah. then it's it's their fault um yeah 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 I, I felt that a lot when i was younger as well <laughs> yeah, i feel that <laughs> no, <laughs> no and, i'm um, kidding as... I, I have a self-esteem <laughs> I'm, I'm glad to hear that honestly and when they grow <laughs> up they they get better i mean they have less substance abuse and less of all the risks that you mentioned at the beginning, right? Mm, yeah. Um, yeah. If they don't, you know, if they don't grow into um, some other problems like substance abuse and they enjoy um, using drugs, of course, but the majority of the time they just stop using drugs and use the prescriptions and they feel better and they just stop yeah okay so that, I, that I leads hope, to well, at least they told me to, they tell me this but i don't like it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully it's true but i, th- I think it hopefully is right? i mean st- studies show generally that when children are uh, medicated or at least treated even therapy or just diagnosed they generally grow up to be better than people who are undiagnosed 
they told me that they are afraid to mix uh, prescriptions with drugs or alcohol. So I think it's mainly based on fear of dying, <laughs> basically. It is. It is it's fine. I mean, you know, if it if it leads to 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 less problems, then it's not necessarily a bad thing, to be honest. No, I think, yeah. In fact, in fact, I, I think so. I, I, it's okay, <laughs> but I I do f- see them and I see that they are better. So I believe them, basically. Agreed. Um, so this leads to my next question. How do you treat children that have ADHD or autism? Yeah, so it's um, pretty the same as uh, as you treat uh, in ADHD in uh, adults. You have the um, psychological therapy and the pharmacological therapy. The only difference is the dosage of the, the prescription because if a child is petite, um, an adult, it's bigger, so <laughs> it's the dosage. But we use um, amphetamines, and uh, we, as a pharmacological therapy, I'm, I'm talking about, of course. Uh, but it's a very um, risky, it's tricky there, too. You have to do a lot of examination. You have to uh, do EKG. Uh, I have to wait you. And uh, I have to do blood samples, and we do like a stress test. We we do uh, a stress test with Ritalin, which is, mm-hmm. it was um, a drug used in USA. They are not allowed to use it anymore, but in Italy we use it just to do the the stress test because it, it's amphetamines. They have like a, a very uh, small range in effects, like a few hours. It mm-hmm. works for a few hours. So you are here in the hospital with me and my colleagues, and we are monitoring you and the way you feel after we give you the drug. Okay. And so we have to um, control your, your uh, blood pressure because you can have uh, hypertension. Yep. And we have to check your heart rate and the way you're breathing. And the way you feel, basic, basically, because if it doesn't work to everyone, so yeah, if it doesn't uh, work, we are not going to give you amphetamines yeah, no, just for fun. Course, <laughs> a, a lot of children say that they don't feel the same when they take medication, or that they don't like the effects. Yeah. So it's it's something that they should know when they're in a doctor's office, right? This is super important. This step, I didn't know that yeah. you did this. It's great. Yeah, it's really it's really complicated. It's it's a really complicated process. And you have to uh, see the child or the teenager uh, every six months or maybe three months month if we see something strange in the EKG because amphetamines can, um, can prolongate the uh, QTC, which is the interval of your ventricular, uh, con- 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 when your ventricul- yes. left ventricular contracts, contracts and then relaxes. Because amphetamines can prolongate this time, and if it if it's too long, you will die basically. Yeah. So um, yeah, yes, you, you have to be to very control. careful. Of course. Yeah, I've lost a child, uh, a teenager, because of this problem. Mm. You, you, you also use non-stimulant medication then? Yeah. Um, basically, it's for anxiety. We use like uh, pregabalin or. Uh, S, 
oh, oh god how, how to say that in english it's antidepressant basically yeah ssris and that's the one <laughs> yeah but we use mainly for AD, adhd we use uh amphetamines <laughs> all right or and methylphenidate um, pharmacological uh, or uh, yeah yeah it's like we have two uh drugs that we use medicinas and esquizine they have uh, a different range of uh, effects yeah uh, like six to uh, four to six hours the first one and the second one is like six to eighteen or eight hours so we told the patient to take the medicine before they go to school so they mm -hmm. can uh, just be focused uh, during school time then they just they don't have to take it but these um, prescription they are drugs basically so if i give you the same drugs for a long period of time you will not uh, it, it won't work anymore the same way it does in the, at the beginning so what we do is uh, in summertime when you don't have to go to school we took you off prescription you do like a pause and then in september we begin again and if that, you need that it works do, do children react well to this they're happy to you know have a medication holiday uh, how do the parents react uh, how, how does this work oh, well. um okay so um it's different from person to person of course and um some patients are very compliant to the the therapy but some others don't want to take it and so it's it's really complicated some parents don't don't want to use it they they told me that their child looks different it's less uh, funny it's less happy um it, it seems more serious it's just that it's focused basically <laughs> yeah this um, is a lot of feedback that i heard as well so this is you know one of the yeah. questions that i had is should you know should you give uh, medication to children basically does that really help or does that make them different does that have too many side effects too many risks of some kind we um, very carefully choose which patients to give the medication to basically it's like um, most of the time it's for the hyperactive adhd type we don't hmm. give it to inattentive because it's it's not really um, necessary Really? But for it's it 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 is. Oh, I'm sorry, my phone. It is. Um, I think it's it does work. But in my in my hospital, we don't do that because my uh, professors don't, doesn't want to. They that's treat weird. mainly kids with uh, hyperactive type of ADHD. That's one of the bias I I found in my practice. Yeah, so they, they treat, think ADHD yeah. is basically the hyperactive type. It's mostly in male, and uh, it's the other active yeah, yeah. type. Yeah, so yeah. they're still quite they behind know, on everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They know that it, it exists the, the the fact that we have like a lot of types of ADHD. They are conscious about that, but they treat mainly males with hyperactive type. Yeah, yeah, so there's still a huge bias in medical practice. Yeah, I I cannot tell you how many times I I um I was with a, f a female patient and I thought you are for sure autistic. 
but yeah. the test we run, they turn out to be negative. So I cannot put the diagnosis uh, and I have to let her go and don't say anything. And it's the worst. It's just the worst. <laughs> and for ADHD as well. Yeah. Because we, we can, um, diagnose a patient for, uh, for ADHD just with a test. It's the SNAP test and you have to do it with, um, the patient and the parents. And it, it, there are like 27 questions. There are, it's really a quick test. It doesn't, I mean, how can you tell if a person has a ADHD if by just 27 questions? It's very, I mean, it's, it's too later. I don't know. It's, it's not enough. I mean, you have the and, same for adults as well, or this is just for children? This is for, uh, for children and teenagers. In adults, you use uh, the Diva 5 test. They did it to me, and they, they basically told me, uh, you have all the uh, characteristics of ADHD, but you didn't have them when you were a child, so we cannot tell you you have ADHD, which is crazy because my brain has always worked the same way <laughs> so yeah. it, the only difference is that when i was a try a child my mom will help me um do all the things uh, so i, I didn't have to think about that i, I yeah. wasn't you know it was i was helped but my mom always told me uh you didn't do the homework unless i was in the room uh you sometimes i thought you were a jerk because you didn't do what i told you to because you forgot you always tell tell me you you forgot but it wasn't true it, it was just you didn't try enough or you were lazy and i was like no i yeah, was yeah, the all the time <laughs> so now now you have your official diagnosis i'm still self-diagnosed but they uh, did yeah. find i have a learning uh, disability in uh, mathematics so I did med school and all that with a learning disability without any help. Fuck. Yeah, so there's... I just they, managed they are so behind, yeah. to survive. Yeah, they're still yeah. so behind. This is appalling because yeah, yeah. there's so many people who are ADHD, who know about it, who have done tons of research on it, and who still cannot get a diagnosis because of medical biases like these ones. Just... Yeah. I've I've had to complete. I think it was a four-hour questionnaire during my diagnosis. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, me too. It was so long, and I was so feel I was feeling exhausted after it. It's it triggered so me like a meltdown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so not ADHD you, friendly. Yeah, for sure. And sometimes they do ask the same question after like a, a small period of time, and you're like you already asked me that why are you doing that again yeah, yeah. <laughs> but they and, have to uh, yeah but it's horrible i mean and every question can be answered with it depends and then you have the thing with uh you know did you have it as a child and they bring in the parents as if it was some some sort of police questioner i mean i'm i'm getting a medical diagnosis i need help for fuck's sake right yeah it's crazy and so uh, this crazy. is, you know, a question that, got, that just comes to mind, but what do you do with the patients that end up, you know, coming to the clinic, coming to the hospital because they need help and they, you know, you know that they have autism or ADHD, but the test says otherwise uh, because it's still very biased. So what do you do with these patients? Do you just send them home without 
anything else or you're like, okay, we're, you know, going to look more into it. Uh, what, what happens to these people? Because I think this has been my experience as a patient a lot. And, and, and one of many people that I know that have ADHD that they, they just came and they were like, oh, you know, you know, you, you have nothing. Uh, you just have to go home and, uh, you know, be happy and buy. All right. So I experienced that too, as I told you. And um, in, um, in my personal experience, I was, well, um, whatever. I know what I am. I know my answers. I know I went to medical school because I was searching for my answer and I find them and I just know whatever. And TikTok and creators like yourself helped me not being um just believing in myself basically what i do i cannot uh for now i mean because i'm an intern but when i will be a, a medical um a neurodevelop neurodevelop uh and behavioral pediatric i will put the diagnose uh, the diagnosis and i will every time i just feel that kid or that teenager or adult for what it counts uh it's uh neurodivergent i will put the diagnosis and right now i'm trying to fight the system from the inside so what i do is like um basically i uh take uh, notes about my patients and when they told me i am struggling with um i don't know for example sensory issues maybe um the sounds or something like that i just take an, a note and write down just try these headphones try this or that and i give this notes to them and give them my cell phone and tell them if you need anything you can call me right now i'm just fighting the system from the inside but when i in the future i hope just to change this because it's it's very biased, especially for that, females. <clears throat> yeah, that's that's horrible. And do, yeah. does that help them? You know, all the little tips that you give them, does that help them? If has any of your patients told you, hey, you know, the, this thing that you gave me, it's, it's really cool. Yeah, it, it has happened. And it, it made my heart so full of joy. I cannot tell you, I just became emotional about it. It's just you see that they look at you like you saved their, their their life basically and you're just i'm happy i'm sorry i'm happy it's just yeah i mean you know maybe you did save their lives just by giving a stupid advice or making them feel listened to it's it's yeah. small but maybe you did save their lives because yeah, sometimes I'm trying that's all so it hard. takes yeah i'm trying so hard to, in my no it's fine in my job, I have like a social um, a role because I do work with uh, juvenile court and I do have patients that have suffered from um, abuse, um, physical, psychological, and also uh, sexual abuse. So it's, and, and they have um, ADHD or autism too. So I, I'm there for them basically and um, so yeah when you can do like little small things it, it's huge for them and for me too 
So, yeah. yeah, I mean, you, you know, the, the medical system can be very violent with patients. It can be very cold. Yeah. And sometimes just feeling like someone is listening to you and understanding you can make an enormous difference on whether these people are going to choose to return to the doctor afterwards or if they're just going to stay home and, you know, be scared of taking an appointment to the next doctor because they have been mistreated before. So what what you're doing is making an immense difference. So this, you know, I, I just cannot thank I you enough so. for that. <laughs> I hope so. Sometimes for them, it's just amazing if you, if they can talk about the special interest for like uh, 15 minutes and you're there just listening to them. For them, it's huge. It's support. And for me, it's so fun. Yeah, it is. <laughs> I've discovered so many things. <laughs> And so, yeah. so about, you know, about the support that you give them, what, what kind of support system can exist for neurodivergent children at school, at home? What, what kind of things can yeah. parents or teachers do basically to make their children's life easier in that sense? I feel that for children, it's better. The, the support system for children is better than for adults, mm -hmm. I think, right now. They so they come to the clinic and we diagnose them and we have to uh, write uh, basically it's like an essay about the patient and we do need to um, be very specific about what are the needs of the child mm -hmm. so that they, they, they can have access to um, accommodation um tools and basically in italy we have different laws that protect uh, disabled people rights and they uh, children have um a support uh you know how, how, how do you say in english it's called like they they are in class and they have the teacher but they also have an assistant just for themselves it's just like okay. a special a teacher yeah they have a tutor in school and also at home they are two different tutors so they um at school they can learn with this tutor and they have maybe they they can have like a different program for some uh, subjects in school and at home they have this educator i think it's called and they help with homework or to do chores or um to everything they need basically and they also go to we encourage them to do um cognitive cognitive behavior behavioral therapy because it's okay. the best for adhd and autism a child and um and for, then for learning I did, tools and, and habits for learning and stuff, tools, right? Yeah, also just to um, uh, emotional regulation and uh, to fight alexithymia, because I think it's very important for them to understand what, what they are feeling. Because yeah. they don't know. If you ask them, they don't know. I have to like uh, draw a little uh, thermometer uh, and I say to them, all right, this is the happy thermometer. Just um, help me understand where where are you? Uh, are you at zero, at five, at 10? And you have to explain to them. And, and they are like, oh, 
this is helpful. I have a visual way of understanding my feelings because they don't know, basically. <laughs> and I do understand that because I, I do uh, feel, I, I do have alexithymia myself. I'm yeah. just learning and learning and learning with them. So it's and, fun. And, uh, so I'm, I'm going to go on a slight tangent here, but a lot of adults that have ADHD or autism said that, you know, CBT feels kind of like gaslighting your emotions. So CBT for children and for adults can work in different ways or can be perceived in different ways by patients, right? I <laughs> think when you're an, an adult, yeah, it's tricky. I mean, children don't know. So it, I, I've saw that uh, it does help, but it's just, it's like they are learning to mask better. I, I think it's like that. Yeah, but they, isn't... They, it's helpful in a way, but it's also... Mm, I, so, I don't so know. What, what about masking? Um, because, uh, re, you know, yeah, recent, you know, recent papers on that, on masking has shown that it increases stress, it increases anxiety, it increases just exhaustion overall, because it's just an effort doing that every day and all the time. So if you teach them Definitely. to mask in a way, uh, aren't we just, you know, delaying maybe the burnout or? Um, yeah, basically. It's, yes. it's an open but question. I... Right? It's... <laughs> it's, it's really, it's hard, you know. Um, I think in certain situations, it, it is important to know how to mask, but you have to be conscious about the fact that you are masking and that later on that day, you're going to need to rest. You, okay, so... you need to be mindful about masking, mm. right? So it's like it needs to be a tool that you use and you're conscious of doing it. Yeah, so Otherwise, basically you're be... with CBT, what you're teaching children is to have that mindful masking instead of just doing it automatically, yeah. not realizing you're doing it and then being exhausted when you're 16. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Maybe right. I don't know. I think they they told me my profession. My professors told me it's better for them, but it, I I didn't do that. I did neurofeedback, and that was really helpful. I don't know if you know about this. It's very new, a new I know, kind of I know therapy. about it. I I've seen very uh, mixed results about this with placebo control trials. They didn't seem to have anything super significant on some of them on others then it seemed to be working so i'm I'm still not sure what i think about it to be honest in my personal experience it did help me a lot but i don't know if it has like a long term um if, it, if it's useful in long term periods of time i think it really works in the in I, I don't know how to say in English, but when you in do short it, term, it's really yeah. working. Yeah, in short term, it's amazing for me, at least. But on long times, on long periods of times, I don't know. Well, uh, I will tell you. <laughs> th there was one paper that I saw that uh, they had a 13-month follow-up, and the neurofeedback group, as opposed to the placebo one, did have uh, a change that was consolidated in the 13-month follow-up. So that seems to be promising, yeah. at least. Yeah, that that's what uh, that that is what my uh, therapist told me. I yeah, did that's... it for like it was like one year ago, and then I just stopped in June because I graduated in med school, so I I just stopped. And but it did help me a lot. 
That's amazing. So th these are some tools that, mm -hmm. uh, you know, children with ADHD and autism can, can learn. But what about tools that te teachers and parents can learn? Oh, uh, <laughs> I mean, first of all, just listen. Listen to your child. Yes. Listen to your teenager. And be, have an open mind about that. Be curious, be kind, try and be inclusive. And also, um, I think the most important thing is to um, use like the Pomodoro technique. I don't know how to say in English, tomato technique. Yeah, yeah, it's, I think they call it Pomodoro technique as well. Pomodoro, right? <laughs> yeah. That helped me a lot. Um, creating like a very calm and um, inclusive space. Um, and just if the child need, needs to steam, just let 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 them do that whatever i'm singing right now i'm always singing it's it's fine yeah me too and uh yeah yeah i use uh just i use a lot of double body as a tool yeah body and i dubbing use is music great. oh music yeah. body dubbing music is, is amazing yeah, music there's music been so saved many my papers. life yeah same there's, yeah. and, and there's been so many papers showing that it just helps. It's, it helps with your emotions. I mean, sometimes I cannot describe the emotion I'm feeling, but I can make you listen to a song that matches that emotion. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, that's so crazy. You can, it's, it's so powerful. And I can self-regulate my emotions with music. I uh, usually, usually uh, listen to lo-fi or brown noises uh, when I have to study and when I have to um, be focused, basically. And sometimes I even using that when I have to write the, um, you know, the patient's paper. And so you, if you just pass through the the corridor, you will listen to my music. And I'm yeah. like, I'm so focused. Yeah, it, it's so helpful. Yeah, yeah, I've I've written my but whole I thesis with heavy metal. <laughs> sometimes I do that too. I mean, yeah. sometimes it it it's needed, definitely. And um, so you know, f following up, how how did your ADHD, how did your experience uh, influence the way that you practice medicine? With ADHD, you mean? Yeah. Oh, well. what, what are you know challenges I, that you find that are specific to your ADHD or what are <laughs> advantages maybe because maybe you understand the patients just better than other doctors just because you yeah. live through the same experiences right it's it's just it's so important to have doctors that have your condition as well um but yeah in general how, how did all of that influence you know how did your mind your ADHD influence your your medical practice well, I'll tell you something. I'm working at the clinical, uh, at the clinic uh, from, it's like since uh, the 1st of November and I've lost my lunchbox like 13 times. <laughs> <laughs> I've lost everything. Patient paper. Oh my I've God. lost. Yeah, it's, it's bad. And every time I, I feel, even though it's not my fault, I feel guilty yeah, and sometimes I, I did do something good and, and I, but somehow the paper just disappeared and I think, oh my God, what have I done? And I did, I didn't even touch the, that paper, but I think it's my fault. Yeah. <laughs> um, the, the, 
I mean, the main risk with ADHD, at least for me, it's when they told me like what a, the dosage of a drug and I have auditory processing disorder. And sometimes I, I didn't hear that. So I'm like, can you say that again and wrote it down? Because I'm not sure. And it's drugs. I don't want to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's super a important. Toxic amount of, of yeah. drugs. Yeah. So it's challenging. I'm not. I'm not telling you it's. Oh, it's all right. No, it's not. It's. I'm very scared of, of doing something. Something very stupid because of my ADHD. But at the same time, I. At the same time, I. I know. I have like a superpower because they told me. My colleagues told me you notice things we we don't. Yeah. When you're listening to a patient, you notice things and you're very, very mindful. So I have, it's, I mean, you have to balance and it's a don't be burned out. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's the hardest part because you, you try so much of being at the same level of everyone that it becomes very hard, not just burning out and doing too much just to prove that you can. Um, but yeah. yeah, at the same you time. Can, you can do it, basically. Yeah. You you want to demonstrate you can do it exactly even though you are never never divergent and but is as and you said and sometimes my colleagues told me uh, I don't no I don't want to listen to you because you want you will forget something because you have ADHD so and I'm like this <sighs> this is ableist <laughs> yeah so this you're... is rude oh sorry I have like a lot of uh, alarm because I'm forgot to do everything that's fine. <laughs> So your colleagues um, haven't been very, um, very understanding of that, even though they work at a psychiatric clinic. They, um, some of them are very curious and ask me a lot of questions and told me, uh, I want to learn from you because you're part of the community and you know so much. So, uh, I want from, I want to learn from you or from other, other creators that I, uh, you know, I linked to them. Um, I linked some of your TikTok too. Yeah. And uh, and so they are very understanding. Some others, I think they shouldn't do this job. I I think they they don't have the you know the, the open mind mind to do that, or, or they are the very empathy. biased. Yeah, or just the empathy, because they they did say something very ugly to me. And, or about other patients and I was like very hurt about that but I couldn't say anything because you don't want to argue or I mean someday I will tell them something because if they keep going I, I will be broke <laughs> but for now I'm just trying and there comes a point Make where them. the emotional dysregulation and the impulsivity takes over and you just explode yeah. <laughs> like fuck off <laughs> One thing I've learned that I didn't know is that with ADSV, it comes other, uh, it, it, there is a, like a, another comorbidity that is uh, oppositive provocatory disorder. Yeah, ODD, positional defined disorder. Yeah. And I think I have that because I don't yeah. like authority. I don't like notes. I don't like rules. <laughs> yeah, I mean, there, so, there's still a lot of debate on that one. A lot of people don't like this appellation because they're like, oh, challenging authority, it's a good thing. Yeah, but it's more complicated than that because I think, yeah, yeah, of yeah, course. you know, one of the worst parts, uh, because I, I 
very definitely have that as well, right? Every time <laughs> I hear a rule or uh, or anything, I immediately want to do the opposite. And it's very hard yeah. to you know regulate myself, even though I know that it's something that is good for me. I immediately want to do the opposite. If something is forbidden or I shouldn't do it, then I want to do it. If something uh, is an obligation, then I immediately don't want to do it anymore. It's super, super difficult just balancing that and trying to rationalize the fact that some things that you shouldn't do or that you should do are good for you. Because as yeah. just as soon as they become an obligation, it's out of uh, out the window. You don't want to do it anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, I, I won't do that. I do the exact opposite. opposite Ex just of what just you're like telling me. immediately. Yeah. And it, <laughs> what a lot of people with ADHD don't understand is that you're still, you know, subject to not really manipulation, but you're still not having an independent thought when you do that because if your first reflex is to rebel automatically against any single rule that you're given you're not critically thinking about what that rule does you're just rebelling for the sake of rebelling so it's not good either and it's yeah. you know, just as bad as following blindly every rule without thinking about it yeah yeah definitely definitely i think okay so the 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 thing with me is if I understand why are you telling me not to do something I and I understand the, the logic behind it, I won't do that. But if I think that rule is just for the sake of it, I, yeah. I won't follow it. Yeah, it's just same. stupid. Why should I? Or sometimes. I, even I, if I understand the rule I sometimes, <laughs> I still yeah. want to break it because it's a rule. <laughs> I, I will not do it because... I can rationalize it, but if I cannot rationalize it, I'll I'll just break the rules. Yeah, it's sometimes crazy. I I do break the rule just for the sake of it, just more rules, just because I have like to let let me breathe, just to, <laughs> let me do something stupid for once. Yeah, yeah I understand that very well. Um, okay, <laughs> um, so. You know, I, I would like to, you know, come and, and wrap this all up with a with the last question. It's since, you know, you work with children, you work with teenagers. So in your yeah. professional and also personal opinion about your own experience and so on, what is some advice that you would give to parents that have to handle an ADHD child? Be curious, ask questions, uh, be kind, be inclusive, listen. And just don't try and make your child or your teenager uh, as other others. It it just he doesn't he he isn't, and it's beautiful the way he is. Just your child we all will always tell you what he needs, and you have just to listen. It's just that simple. I think that's the most important thing a, a lot of the time um, parents ask me why my child is like that and i'm like well it's genetic i mean maybe you have a little bit adhd yourself and but they I, of course i cannot tell them but i i really like it <laughs> but just listen and be inclusive that's the main thing you have to do i think it's the most important thing I do have one patient with two great, great parents. They, they are very understanding and they are so inclusive. They, they're just amazing. And I told them, 
I told them, you are my favorite parents and you are doing so great with your child. He's so lucky. You don't even know that. He's, yeah. he's great. He's doing great. And I'm so happy for him. He's very lucky. But it's one. And I have like yeah. a lot of patients. And most of the time, they parents ask me how to uh, not... Uh, how to make their child not neurodivergent and i'm like i cannot yeah. do that <laughs> it's impossible <laughs> so i so think that's yeah, the, the main thing the, the, i think the, first step the is most acceptance. important thing is to learn from neurodivergent people to listen to the community not not uh, listen to you know, uh, not to read books or something like that because it doesn't help anyone. Just it doesn't, because books are written from an outsider pr perspective, yep. a point of view, and you need to hear and listen to the the neurodivergent person point of view. That's the main thing. So the 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 two things that you mentioned that are super important is first of all the acceptance that you know your kid is neurodivergent just don't try to change them because anyway it's not going to happen so just accept that they are different and so the yeah. second immediate step is just listen to what they need and accommodate that exactly. you know, that is specific to them and that cannot be applied to other children yeah and i i saw so many parents make the their child be friends with other neurodivergent um child and uh, children and that that is really helpful too because they feel like they are not alone basically they have always someone that understands what is going on with them so i think that's that is important too that's amazing so yeah also finding a community of like-minded children so that that can help yeah and then therapy for the parents because yeah as you said it's it's genetic so yeah we we do uh <laughs> yeah we do advice um so we we do like uh the um, we we write the the paper and we uh gave them some advice and we told uh okay your child needs to have a tutor uh needs to take descriptions needs to do therapy but we do always advise for parent training yeah. and they don't have often do that but those but who so do it's, it's helpful for those who do yeah 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 definitely yeah that's also what papers show <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that parent I training mean, is you, more yeah. important than therapy for the child according to papers yeah 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 it's i mean it, it all it, it all begins with acceptance and then but you have to know how to uh to listen and how to uh, react maybe to a meltdown or maybe to a shutdown of your child you have to learn that because you you won't learn that from books no. they don't tell you how to do it no they don't they don't it's just it's a lot of trial and error and yeah you have to learn from the person itself that has because every every adhd and autistic person that i've encountered as well has different needs as well yeah it's completely different they, they every time i i visit my patients it's like you are a word 
and this other tribe is completely different it's like having you know it's it's amazing they have their own mind and their own space and times and it's beautiful it's just my patients are my special interest <laughs> that's amazing i love to learn about their routines and their special interests and yeah it's so fun that's great. I think you're going to be an amazing doctor and I really hope that, I you know, so. <laughs> clinical Thank practice you. I hope so. in, in Italy and everywhere changes and starts to learn, not not only from patients, but also from scientific papers, because from my understanding, they're really mm -hmm. behind on that as well. And, you know, I, I hope that your generation and your this kind of new wave of doctors that are also now neurodivergent is going to bring just more light and more help into the medical world and into the clinical world. This is just really great. And I do really think that you're making a change and that you're helping a lot of I children. I really hope so. I, I really hope so. It, this is all I want to do. I I did enter sur surgery school and I did uh, say no to that because I, I thought this is more important. And all my life I, I told everybody I want to be a surgeon, but I, I just, it was so important to do this instead i am convinced that you're making a huge difference i am really convinced of that you are doing it too you know that <laughs> every time uh, my professor asks me something about uh, adhd or something i go to your tiktok <laughs> and search and find articles and i'm like ah, god no i didn't do the least you know <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's so thank you part of the goal thanks um, if, you know, if people listening want to, uh, I don't know, maybe get a diagnosis in your clinic or join you or listen to, or, you know, find you on social media or whatever, do you want to be found on social media or do you want your clinic yeah. to be found or where can they find you? Basically? Oh, well, I'm, <laughs> I'm working in a, a hospital in a very small city. I'm in an island uh, right now. I'm in Sardinia. And I'm very from, far from my home, which is Rome. And, uh, but yeah, I'm in a hospital, like a public hospital right now. And in my social media are, I, I'm red cowboy boots because of how I met your mother <laughs> on social media. <laughs> so okay. On, if they uh, need Instagram. something, I, they can find me there. <laughs> okay. Excellent. It's just, you know, if uh, people are interested to contact you and to ask for more clinical information uh, or you know, pediatry parenting or whatever, <laughs> this is where you can find Dr. Maria Teresa. <laughs> yeah. Thank Perfect. you. Thank I you think, so much. Uh, we have everything. So, you know, thank you everyone for listening. Thank you, Maria Teresa, for coming and for explaining everything about uh, clinical practice and about how it is being a, an ADHD pediatrician. And we hope to see Thank you. And we hope to see everyone on the next episode. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. This was